Hello and welcome back to episode 98 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I got my guy Evan Etheridge with me. How's it going, Evan? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, Like you mentioned just a minute ago before we started recording, we have a lot to talk about on this one. Probably the busiest show in a while. Um, But yeah, the Hawks, their season has officially ended at the hands of the Boston Celtics. The Falcons um, had their draft. Uh, a lot of debate going on with their draft, so we can get into that in a few. And also, the Braves had a very odd uh, weather-delayed week, so we'll wrap up the show with that. But first, we will talk about the Hawks and uh, just the end of this series with Boston. The final two games um, occurred last week. Uh, they win Game 5 on the road in Boston in pretty dramatic fashion, 119-117. to 117. And then they uh, go back to Atlanta and drop Game 6 and lose the series Um 128 to 120 but we can talk about game five for a little bit first as this was just a insane game really trey young had just an absurd performance and had a pretty absurd shot to win the game um, 38 points from him with 13 assists and um yeah just a really huge win um down 3-1 obviously facing elimination and to go to boston and uh, snatch a win and kind of steal one on the road like that Felt important, and it was really important, and it kind of gave a little bit of hope for the Hawks to pull up a big comeback. So what were your initial thoughts on this game? This was the game of the year. Um, yeah. Backs against the wall. Um, just just an insane ending to this game. Uh, Trey Young was phenomenal the last three games of the series. Um, you know, he really showed out, uh, you know. They, I mean, I can't say enough about Trey. Like, uh, that fourth quarter he had – Scoring 15 straight was uh, was was kind of insane, um, man. It, it you know this was I don't know, man. It, it, this gave you a ton of hope, you know, uh, yeah. coming back home, going into Game Six. Um, but but this game right here, Game Five, you can circle that one. That was the game of the year. Yeah, and um, we did get to talk about this last week because this came came out after we finished recording. But Dejounte Murray was suspended for this game. Um, after he made some contact with an official after game four. So they were down DeJounte Murray, who had been um one of their best offensive players in the series, not so great defensively, but he had been shooting the ball well. So um, without him, Trey took on a bigger workload and he came through in a huge way. I mean, made five threes, made a couple of huge ones um in the fourth and just that shot he made, man, to win the game. I mean, down one and you take that, that three, like uh, that's a bad shot for a lot of players but not for Trey. Cause if he can get to that spot, that's really one of his most comfortable spots on the floor. And um, he sunk it, man. And it was just like, he had, there was no doubt that he was going to miss that shot. Really. I mean, Jalen Brown played pretty good defense on him and it just didn't matter. He was just that hot. And uh, yeah, really, really good game from Trey. And uh, for the rest of the team, John Collins, who really kind of had a comeback story in this series. He was really good in games five and six after struggling early. He was uh, second on the team in scoring with 22 made four of his nine threes, which was awesome. Um, he played much better, especially on offense, because um, beginning of the series, I know a lot of people were calling for his head, and really for good reason. He had been pretty bad, but uh, he had really played well these last two games and helped the Hawks out a lot. Um, Bogey was good. Sadiq was pretty good off the bench. He made two of his uh, three threes. Um, Akongu made a three in this game, which I think that's probably like the, only the second one he's ever made, I think. 
that was that was good to see. And uh, the Hawks just shot the ball super well. Um, 19 of 41 from three. That's always going to play. And then the Celtics, really the only game in the series, they had a down shooting game. They went 12 from 38 from three. And um, it's kind of the difference right there. But, uh, yeah, the Hawks had a huge fourth, won the quarter by 12 points. They were down by, what, 13 points with about six minutes left. Yeah. And they were able to bring it back and reel it in and just uh, really a crazy win. And like you said, definitely the game of the year for this team as um, just a really incredible win. So you got any uh, any more thoughts before we do the postmortem of the team? <laughs> Yeah, so with six minutes left in the game, Hawks are down 13. Boston has a 98.4 chance of winning the game. Um, and that's when Trey came alive. He scored 14 straight, 14 straight points. Um, I mean, I mean, what else can you say? Like, to come down and you're down one uh, and, and to take a logo three right in Jalen Brown's face. I mean, he had he had a foot of separation. And to just pull up the confidence to make that, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, a, a really good confidence boost to this team to be able to win without DeJounte. And, uh, you know, w- once you get back home for game six, anything can happen. Um, you know, we find out, you know, obviously that come true, but I, I just really love the way that this team fought. And, you know, this entire game, man, they were down and never gave up. They just hung around, hung around, got it to win it in six, I think three times. And then, you know, Boston kept separating it. And then, uh, you know, finally Trey took over in the fourth. So, I mean, not much else I can say. Um, you know, just, just a really, really good win, game five. Yeah, there was. And just a super exciting game, too. And one that they obviously had to have. So, we can move on to game six. And um, game six was – this was a really good basketball game. Um, really, the first, like, three and a half quarters were just back and forth. Really good basketball for both teams. I mean – um, I know the turnover numbers in this game were kind of silly from both teams. I noticed um, the Hawks turned the ball over 10 times, which is not a lot, and the Celtics only turned it over seven times. So a bunch of clean basketball, just good basketball. Both teams shot well. Like um, There was a little bit of defense mixed in, too. It was kind of just like a really good basketball game. But um, the Hawks did fall short in this one, 128 to 120. And uh, it's just kind of a story of two halves, really, for the offense, um, especially Trey Young who finished with 30 and 10, which is great. But um, second half, he went one for 13 from the field. And uh, the Hawks just honestly really couldn't afford that because first half he was on fire. And then the second half, um, I think Boston really keyed, on, keyed in on him. I know Trey said in his post-game interview that um, after halftime, Marcus Smart was just always attached to him. And um, he really couldn't get away from him. And uh, you can kind of tell. I mean, some of that trade just wasn't as hot as he was in the first and um, so if it's Marcus Smart's really good defender, former defensive player of the year guy. So um, that's that was kind of my biggest takeaway from from the game um, of why they lost, really. I'm not saying they lost because of Trey, but the offense just kind of went cold as a whole, especially in the fourth. They only scored 20 points and Boston got hot. Like Al Horford had a rough first half. He had a couple of dagger threes in the fourth. Marcus Smart hit a big three. Tatum and Brown were incredible. So it just kind of uh they just kind of became too much for the Hawks, and that's not um totally surprising because the Celtics are really good. So, yeah, what do you think about this one? Because it was a tough game, but, you know, still the Hawks, I still think, played pretty well on the whole. Yeah, live by Trey Young, die by Trey Young. Uh, yeah. He was absolutely phenomenal in the first half. He had 25 points, um, ends the game with 30 points. You know, at, at the time, we thought maybe, yo, he's going for 50 tonight. He's going yeah, for 50 Yeah, we, we did say that. Tonight. I think we jinxed him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he just came out super, super cold, uh, 
you know, Boston had a great game plan in the second half and um, yeah, nobody really picked up the slack. Uh, you know, it, it, this was such a good game um, and, and Boston was able to just kind of separate in the fourth uh, outscoring us by 10. Um, so yeah, the fourth quarter was a difference in this game. Uh, we just, we just kind of ran out of juice and, and, and that just shows man, Boston, Boston's a very complete team. Uh, it, it's a re- it's it's the reason they almost won sixty games in the regular season. They are just they're just better than us, and you know that's really all you can say. Boston is is a championship caliber team, and it, it really showed. You know, Jalen Brown was Jalen Brown was so good, man, so yeah. good. Um, and, and we just didn't have an answer for him defensively. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean. You know this 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 team showed a lot of fight. The series, uh, you know, they, they didn't keep their heads down, you know, too much. I think every game was pretty much competitive. Like, I mean, I, I can't think of a of a really bad, you know, loss. Um, and and so, you know, I mean, that's all you can say. You know, this 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 team, it, it kind of gives you some hope for next year. You know, I, I know Jalen Brown came out and said, "Yo, if this Hawks team was playing like this all year." They would have been a top five team in the league, not in the conference, in the league. Yeah. So, you know, I think year one, Quinn Snyder coming in, not having his coaches, not having his staff with him, uh, kind of implementing a, uh, you know, a really shaky team with uh, with Nate and, and all the changes and stuff going on. I think year two, I think, is is, is going to be special. Um, you know, I, I see a few changes happening. I don't see I don't see the same core coming back. I see I see at least one or two of the top nine, you know, departing and, and, and moving around and getting replaced and all that. But, um, you know, this kind of just gives you hope for next year. I mean, to, to hang with Boston, this, this is a very good team and, you know, you just got to tip your cap, man. It was a, it was a really competitive series and, you know, and, and that's it at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, Boston's really good in my mind. And I think like Vegas and the projections would agree with me that they're the favorites to win the title right now. Um, I think they're the best team in the league. And, um, yeah, the Hawks, you know, we're down 2-0. And, um, you know, even, like, in game one when they were just getting smoked early and they end up coming back a little bit and making it, like, a little scary for Boston, that's just kind of, like, a um, showed, like, kind of like a, the whole series went, really, of them just always fighting back at least a little bit. And they didn't get embarrassed at all. Because I know when, when they went they went down 2-0 and we talked in this podcast, we are like, just get swept. Like, just, just get this over with. Y'all are just getting embarrassed. And they didn't get embarrassed. I mean, they played – legitimately really well these last yeah. four games i mean and it is just kind of frustrating at the same time because even back to the miami heat game and how they manhandled the heat and look what the heat are doing right now it's just like man if you play like this all year you're not in this scenario you're playing the nets or the Cavs, and you're not even like the knicks just smoke the Cavs. i think this the way the hawks are playing this series they could beat the knicks like it's just that's what's kind of frustrating that um you could have kicked the Boston can down the road a little bit and maybe played them later on in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, and get join them. The first round is tough. So um, yeah, but they, they played well, man. And listen, I just pulled this up with four twenty five left in the second half. The Hawks are up seven points in this game. <laughs> like they, this could have easily gone to game seven. I mean, and um, yeah. what was the other score? They were up. Well, they were up by three. Yeah. They were up one thirteen to one ten with six minutes left. And that's when Boston went on their big run. Um, I think they went on an 11 0 run. And that was kind of it. Um, but yeah, they were right in it, man. And uh, a few more shots go their way and they might win this game and game seven happens and who knows what's going on. And uh, yeah, they really pushed Boston. Like losing to them in six is not 
like bad at all. I mean, they could go to the finals and beat the Suns in six and no one would bat an eye. Like the Hawks might play the Celtics better than anybody else will the rest of the playoffs. Honestly, I know the Celtics are playing right now against the Sixers. I don't know what the score is. They're up by two with five minutes left, in case you're wondering. Um, so yeah, they played well. Um, they showed a lot of fight and gave us some optimism because I know we said that we kind of wish they'd get swept when it was down 2-0, but this is way better than that. It just gives you a little bit of hope for next year with Quinn. And I do agree with you. I don't think they just run it back. Someone's um, out of there. We can talk about that later in the offseason. We've got plenty of time to discuss trades and what they're going to do in the draft and free agency, um, who's in, who's out. Um, but, yeah, I do think there's definitely going to be a little shuffle. I don't know who. It's going to be the usual suspects, John Collins, um, I'm sure there'll be some Clint Capella rumors with Akangu playing super well and taking the big step. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. And um, yeah, I think this is a not best case scenario, obviously best case scenario is winning the series, but um, you know, they showed a lot of fight and that's really all you could ask for when you're down too well and you just got your ass kicked really the first game at least. And um, yeah, it was just promising is the word I would describe for it. So yeah, yeah. You got any uh, more thoughts on this one than just the season as a whole? It's still it's still frustrating just how mid they were um, all regular season because it's kind of yeah. come back to bite them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's just like, um, you know, you play like that all year long and you're a top five seed and yeah. you're not in the play in. You're not this. You're not that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all you can say, man. And, and I think this team is going to be good next year. I think I think they're definitely. I mean, this just this really is a good sign. And uh, you you didn't want to go in this and get swept because that just would have uh, flurried up a bunch of rumors of Trey. And yeah, you know, I was about to say that. I mean, this this is kind of you know you can. I feel good about Trey staying, and and I feel yeah. I feel good about them next year. And and this was a promising series, man. Boston, they were just a better team. They're just a better team. And, and yeah, and they might be better than everybody. So <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, that's it. And, and and that's all you can say, really. I mean, they showed a lot of fight and it is what it is, man. Yeah. And I was just about to mention the Trey thing, like his post game interview after this game. I mean, no one, no one was happy, but it wasn't like um, devastating. Like it was, you could kind of see like with him and Quinn in their interviews at the podium that they were optimistic for the future. Mm-hmm. And I think Trey even said that, like he was excited to get a full off season with Quinn and a full season with him. And um, yeah, if they got swept, like it's a completely different vibe. I'm sure the ringer would have had eight articles out by now saying how Trey is getting traded. (laughs) Like it Mm -hmm. it really is going to save us from all of that shit of just the annoyance of Trey's getting traded. Trey wants out. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, But if they would have got swept, maybe that might have been some rumors. We would have to deal with all of that. And we don't have to deal with that. So that's good. We just got to deal with more John Collins rumors, which those are just the best. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait for the offseason to open up. And every week there's something new. It's like John Collins is going to the Pacers. John Collins is going to the Pelicans. And can't wait. It's a tradition with John Collins. And I'm sure he might not even get traded again. So <laughs> we, uh, we got all offseason to deal with that stuff. So uh, we can we can move on now to the Falcons offseason, which um, – had a big draft, uh, NFL draft happened this past weekend. Um, Falcons, I think, had a pretty solid draft on a whole, um, but had some uh, interesting picks. But I'll go ahead and name out all of their draft picks. They had the number eight overall pick, and they took Bijan Robinson, running back from Texas, which I'm sure that'll be the main topic of conversation here. Um, in the second round, they took Matthew Bergeron, a tackle from Syracuse. 
Third round, they got Zach Harrison, a defensive end from Ohio State. In the fourth round, they got Clark Phillips III, a quarterback from Utah, and he was actually the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. So that seems like some good value in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And then they had a couple seventh-rounders, um, DeMarco Hel- Hel- Helms, a safety from Alabama. So getting Alabama guy in the seventh round, I know it's kind of simple thinking, but I kind of like that. Just Alabama guy in the seventh round, why not? And then they got an interior offensive lineman, Javon Gwynn from South Carolina with their other seventh round pick. So, um, yeah, before we like kind of break down each pick, um, what do you just think of the draft as a whole? Because I think um, they addressed their needs. Um, really, everyone, I kind of was surprised they didn't take a wide receiver at all. But um, other than that, I think they covered everything they really needed to. So what did you think? Yeah, I think coming in this, I mean, having an excellent offseason, filling a lot of gaps and plugs and just really having a good, a good solid offseason. Um, you know, this draft was super important. Uh, you definitely have some needs. I think, I think cornerback, I think edge rusher, I think, um, you know, you know, you could, you could say running back maybe, um, but definitely wide receiver. Um, there was a couple needs and I thought they, I thought they definitely hit some of the spots. I, I would have liked them, you know, maybe to, you know, maybe get a wide receiver, like you said, but, uh, you know, they, they choose not to do that. But I think overall, I think it's a good draft. And you can sit here and you can look at all these draft grades and this and that. And, but you don't really know, you know, I think three years out, that's when you can tell like, Oh, that was a good draft or that was a stinky draft, whatever. But I think it's, it's good not to overreact um, or, or, or anything like that. But honestly, I think, I think it was a solid draft overall. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to sit around and act like I'm an expert on these later round picks. Like I, I know some of the names, like a new Clark Phillips, um, I think I heard a Matthew Bergeron just from looking at mock drafts, but I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I was grinding Matthew Bergeron tape of him playing some offensive tackle, but um yeah, so it's hard to really evaluate because I don't know about you, but I'm just not like an expert. There are some people that know all these guys and have broken down all off season. Um, I'm not one of those guys, so I'm just going to kind of see what I see when they play for the Falcons. But um we can we can start talking about Bijan now because that is the big pick. Um, third draft in the row, the Hawks, not the Hawks, the Falcons go uh, skill position in the first round in the top 10. So, yeah, they take Bijan number eight. I wasn't super thrilled about it. Um, I think he's going to be good. I will say that. But taking running backs in the top 10 is just risky. So um, what were your initial thoughts on it? Because it wasn't super surprising they took him. Um, but still, it is. Uh, he was the first running back taken. So it was definitely an interesting pick. Yeah, I think they kind of had the same plan they did last year. Kind of take the best offensive player other than a QB in the draft. And I think they, I think they nailed it. I mean, I think they got their guy they wanted. Um, He was, he was definitely rumored to Atlanta uh, for the longest time this draft. um, You know, he, he's just going to add another element to this offense who ranked third overall in PFF grade rushing last year. So already having a stout running game, uh, you know, revamping the offensive line, uh, re-signing Lindstrom and, and, you know, a couple other guys drafting a couple guys. I think this is a, you know, a really, really good move for the offense. I think, um, I think our defense is going to be good enough um, to compete. You saw that last year. And then after the off season we had, I think, I think our defense is going to be pretty good. I think, you know, you know, right in the middle, we're going to rank somewhere. And I think that's good enough, man. Um, to give Ritter another, another uh, weapon to use great pass catcher, uh, you know, four, four, six speed, like, this dude is very elusive and um, you know, you kind of have Algier as your, 
has your, you know, run up the gut, get you four, get you five. Same with Cordell Patterson, uh, you know, very downhill runners. And then, you know, Bijan with the shiftiness, um, pass catching ability. I mean, you name it, this dude can do it all. He did it all in Texas. Um, you know, I'm excited to see how he's gonna how he's gonna work and how Arthur Smith's gonna gonna use him in this offense, man. I think I think he's gonna be an awesome weapon for this team. Yeah, and while I like personally, if I were the Falcons, I wouldn't have taken him. Um, I still am excited about it because it is. I think he's he's gonna be good. It's just the the long term factors that I'm worried about with his running backs. But yeah, I mean, what Arthur Smith could potentially cook up with him is very exciting. I think um, he has the potential to be kind of more than a running back, kind of put him out and get some pass catching opportunities. Uh, just another pass catching weapon for uh, Desmond Ritter is huge, I think. And um, yeah, he he is a crazy athlete. Like he is, he's really good. He's one of the better running back prospects um, in recent memory, probably the best running back prospects in Saquon. So he is, he's really good. And um, I think this is, a good sign for the front office's headspace on the team. They think that they're close because this is, this is not a move you make when you're at the bottom of a rebuild and you know, you don't really take these kind of guys. This is a move you make to kind of put things over the top. And um, you know, there's still a lot of question marks offensively with Ritter being the quarterback and he really hasn't had a full season. So we don't really know what we have in him yet, but um, I think it is a good move for the offense short term. And um yeah, and I'm excited about it. I really am. Um, you know, the 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 big thing going around was uh, Jalen Carter was on the board for the Falcons. Um, they don't take him, which I I get. He has some off the field issues with the whole speeding thing, and there have not been some great um, reports from like his draft interviews and stuff like that. So I I get not taking him, but still, like uh, he's a guy that could have been number one overall. Some people had him that high, so um, it is a Notable gripe if you think they should have took Jalen Carter over Bijan. I get that. But um yeah, I I I I'm starting I like it more than I did than when it happened. I'll say that. I've been kind of talked into it. And um it makes next year way more exciting. Cause if they were to, if they were to take like even Jalen Carter, it's not like Jalen Carter wouldn't have been as exciting, honestly. But if they would especially take like Pete Skronsky or something, <laughs> it wouldn't um not really gonna get the juices flowing for next year. But um yeah, I think he's gonna be good. And it's just a question of um, can he hold up? I'm trying to pull up this thing that here it is. These were the um, running backs taken in the top ten since 2015. The last one taken before Bijan was Saquon Barkley, who has been awesome when he plays, but he's had his injury issues and all that. Leonard Fournette, who was good, kind of got hurt, kind of had a resurgence with the Buccaneers. Christian McCaffrey, we know how awesome he can be when he plays. Zeke which uh, he's got cut by the Cowboys. And then Todd Gurley, who is probably like the most extreme example of um, running backs in the top 10 of just being super awesome and then just being out of the league. So um, there's just a lot of volatility, but I do think um, if you're careful with how you use him and you're just like, using him as like really a ground and pound, like if they're, if they're just using him like Tyler Algier, then this is like not what you should be doing with him and you shouldn't have taken him. And I don't think they're going to do that at all. But um, I do think there is more potential for him to stay healthy with the different schemes they'll use of him just not t- taking as much of a beating, honestly. So what do you think about just the downside risk here of just taking a running back this high? Yeah, I mean, there's always risk, like you said. Like a couple of those guys you named were very, very good in their rookie yeah. deal. And then, you know, by age 28, 29, they're, you know, looking for a job. 
Um, and, and, and that's just, that's just how the running back market is. Um, you know, it, it is very risky, obviously taking, taking a running back, you know, with your first overall pick, there's no doubt about that. But like you said, I think this team is close. I think, the front office yeah. thinks this team is close and they want this guy to put them over the edge. I mean, look, dude, if, uh, you know, if we get pits back London, we know how, how good he can be. Um, our running game was awesome last year. And I think I, I you know, the more and more I, I talk about this pick, the more and more I think about it, I really, really like it. Um, you know, he could, Bijan can just be used in, in, in a ton of different ways. And, I'm just super excited to see what this offense is going to do. Um, you know, at Texas, like, dude was, you know, Sarkeesian could have handed him the ball off every single time. Like, that would yeah. not have been a bad play at all. But he actually didn't really – like, he averaged 20 rushes a game his senior year. And before that, he averaged, you know, 10 games, about 19 and a half touches a game. So, I mean, he's pretty fresh, man. Like, that's – I don't know, man. Like he only played really full time two years, um, and you know, I th I think he's going to be super fresh. I think I think he's going to be a stud, man. A at least for the first three or four years, I think um, I think this is going to pay dividends. You know, very very early on in his uh, in his uh, professional career, I think this is going to be a good move. And um, yeah, I think I think we should talk a little bit about wide receiver now and kind of what what the Falcons are thinking there. So, you know, if you want to hit on that. Yeah. Um, they had opportunities to take receivers. I know in the second round where they took Bergeron, <clears throat> the very next pick, um, the Panthers took Jonathan Mingo from the, um, from the Ole Miss, from Ole Miss. <laughs> um, so that was a guy that could potentially get, I know they had their third round pick on the board when Josh Downs was still there. Um, they really didn't have a chance to get any of the high, upside guys like JSN or uh, Qu Quentin Johnson or any of those guys as they all went in the later first round. So they'd have to trade up to get one of them. So I'm not surprised they didn't get a, like a huge guy or like a Zay Flowers, but I did think they would just snag a guy like in the third or fourth round and they didn't. So I guess they're just going to kind of roll with London, uh, Matt Collins and Kyle Pitts, obviously who is a tight end, but he is still a very much seen as a pass catching weapon. So I guess they have faith in those guys. And I mean, I guess they could still sign somebody. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought they were going to take somebody just for some depth. But um, I'm not super upset because I, I do believe in London and Pitts. And I think I, we like the Matt Collins signing when it happened. Um, so I think he could – he's a very viable wide receiver – not wide receiver three, but the third option. It's just – it's hard to say with because Kyle Pitts is a tight end. Like, it's – he's – they would love him to be wide receiver one technically. <laughs> so, uh yeah, I don't hate not taking one, but I just kind of thought they would. It was just kind of on like the checklist, and it just didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, if you look at their undrafted free agent signings, they signed one, two, they signed three wide receivers. So, you know, I guess they're hoping one of those guys can can make yeah. roster or you know, you know, kind of kind of go under the radar and, and and not be drafted and still produce. I don't really know what their plan is. I know Arthur Smith has never really had like an insane wide receiver core. Um, even, even in Tennessee, like he had AJ Brown and they went and drafted Corey Davis so early, but they never really used Corey Davis. So yeah. I think, you know, taking this running back, it just, it just kind of confirms that we're going to be a run first team. We're going to be a gritty team. We're, we're trying to play good defense and 
I mean, heck, when you got Pitts and, and London, I think that's a pretty good one-two punch. Um, but that's just not the style we play. We're not gonna we're not gonna beat you with our receivers, I guess per se. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the undrafted free agents we signed for receivers like Matt Collins, he's solid. Um, kind of Scotty, Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller, little <laughs> slot guy. So yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're kind of just doing what, what they, what they did on, on defense and just, you know, filling some gaps with some, you know, kind of proven players, but, but, but not really all that great. So, and then, and, and then to not draft one in, in the, in the draft at all is kind of interesting, kind of interesting. And, and we'll see how that affects the team, man. Cause if London goes down, I mean, you got scrubs out there, you got Drewski out there catching passes. <laughs> Like, dude, anything can happen. Kadero Hodge season. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Um, They have it listed. London, Hollins, Miller has the top three, and then there's Pitts. And they also, they picked up Johnny Smith, too, which he is an option. Um, mm-hmm. you, you could definitely run some stuff where Pitts is lined up as a receiver with Johnny Smith on the field, too. That's definitely something they could cook up. Um, Frank Darby. I mean, these guys are just names, really. And and a guy we haven't talked about yet that kind of relates to Bijan, Cordero Patterson. He um, I know he took a bigger load running the ball last year, but the year before last, he caught a lot more passes than he did last year. So I think there's probably something with him catching a lot more balls, and Bijan's going to catch a ton of passes too. But he is definitely yeah. I love Tally Algier, but he is not like the pass catching threat that Bijan is, like even close. So yeah. I think that's kind of their mindset too. And um, yeah, and maybe they just think one of the guys um, and get some depth from one of the undrafted guys too. That could definitely be in their minds. But I think they just kind of they kind of think that they were dealing from a position of strength with wide receiver already, and they just kind of thought that they needed to address other areas, which they did. And um, I don't have a problem with any of these other picks, which I, I guess we can talk about now. Um, Bergeron uh, was the second round pick from Syracuse, uh, offensive tackle. I think you can slide him just right in and take Jalen Mayfield's place because Jalen Mayfield was horrible last year. And um, when you slide him in, and if you can um, assume that that he's going to be good off the bat, which I think most people think he is, the offensive line just looks really good. And you got Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry. You both give, gave those guys contracts, and they performed well. Um, they got Drew Dahlman penciled in as the center. And then you just replace uh, Mayfield with Bergeron. And, I mean, I know injuries are probably going to happen, but on paper, that's a really solid line that was – Great at run blocking last year, and maybe Bergeron can help them out with the um, pass blocking this year as they are certainly going to be throwing the ball more. So, yeah, what do you think about that pick? Because this um, wasn't surprising at all, them taking a offensive tackle. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, definitely a solid pick, and I think he can help the team immediately and just help this offense. Yeah, they must really like Bergeron because they actually traded up to get him. Yeah, they did um, trade, they up. Up a couple, they traded up a couple slots, gave up their, their 130 pick. Um, but yeah, that's his specialty is pass blocking. And, um, you know, he, in his position, he was top five, uh, ranked in the draft. So, um, I like it, man. You know, it, they must really like him too, because, you know, you wouldn't trade up to get a guy like that, um, unless you didn't feel very confident in him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any, any complaints with it, with it. I mean, I think obviously they, they, they scouted this guy a lot. They like him. So they traded up to get him. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, he's going to fill a gap immediately, and that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's never super exciting drafting an offensive lineman. Um, and you don't really have as much to talk about with them. You're just kind of like, hey, let's just hope they're good. <laughs> Throw yeah. them out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll be good. I I, watched, I saw some of his highlights, and 
He was pass blocking. He was blocking guys. Syracuse, the carrier dome. So, yeah, I like it. Um, move on to round three now. They got Zach Harrison, a DN from Ohio State. I don't know a ton about him, honestly, um, but he's not going to sl- – I don't think he's going to slide in immediately and be a starter um, as all of their defensive signings the offseason kind of uh, took up all the slots, like uh, Kay Nellis. Um, guys like that are just kind of going to get a lot of the run. Kalias Campbell, um, you know, so they kind of have some depth there. Right now they have him as the second-string linebacker behind Arnold Ebiketti, who was the second-round pick last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to think with him, really. Um, I hope he's good. I don't think they're really banking on him to be as big of a contributor as these first two guys are. Um, just kind of getting some more depth there as they really did address, like, pass rushing this offseason um, with the Campbell signing, Caden Ellis, um, Anya Mehta. So, yeah, what do you what do you think? Because this was the one where we thought we were watching it together. We're like, are they taking a wide receiver here? They didn't. They took him. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you needed – at that point, you definitely needed – pass rusher and you needed a wide receiver. Um, yeah. you know, so I, I like the pick. I think, uh, this guy has a lot of potential, man. Um, you know, you know, people say that his, his talent didn't match his stats and you know, that's always a pretty good sign. Um, but it's, a, yeah. he's a big dude, big dude, six, six, two seventy five. Um, you know, he's, he's really going to help this team out, which, which ranked last in sacks in 2021 and second to last last year. So, you know, hopefully he can provide some depth and, you know, maybe eventually earn that starting role. I know you said they got him listed at linebacker, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I don't, this is ESPN. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but honestly, man, I don't hate the pick. I mean, picking always yeah. picking a guy from from one of the bigger schools. If you're not going to SEC, definitely Ohio State, Michigan. I, I, I don't think you can go wrong. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, more than likely this guy was a huge um, prospect in high school too. So yeah, cool with me. Um, next guy, which was the one that everyone was eating up, um, was the Clark Phillips, the third pick in the fourth round. He slid a lot. And yes. like I mentioned earlier, he was the Pac-12 defensive player of the year last year on a really good Utah team. He has some pretty nutty highlights of him at Utah. Just seems like a super athlete. Um, and I, I love this one. Seems maybe their best value pick in the entire draft getting him. And, um, you know, the second to go secondary with their next pick too in the seventh round, which he's which uh DeMarco Helms is probably not gonna be as big of a factor as Clark Phillips. But um we never had talked about the Falcons trading for Jeff Akuda. They have Jeff Akuda now to pair with AJ Terrell. Clark Phillips is there too. Um they cut Casey Hayward, so they really needed to fill this void. And they did. And I think um I was kind of thinking that the Falcons might go cornerback in round one, like get Christian Gonzalez or something. But mm-hmm. I like this a whole lot better of a fourth round pick getting Clark Phillips because I know Devin Witherspoon went five overall. So there's a ton of guys going really high up. And I think Clark Phillips has kind of the same potential as those guys. And he was the 113th pick. So, yeah, this was this was one I think was my favorite pick of the draft. So what, 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 what about me? What a, holy shit. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I think insane value in the fourth round. I mean, Pac-12 defensive player of the year. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. A little undersized, but he holds a ton of records in Utah for picks, uh, pick sixes. Like he's just a straight ball hawk, and you know, yeah. a little undersized, <laughs> but super speedy. Um, and he's gonna press you, man. He's he's not afraid to get in and and you know, be very physical with you because he has to be. He's a little undersized, but um, I love this pick. I absolutely love this pick. Yeah, I mean the the secondary looks great right now with him. AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, who was the big 
uh, free agent signing, Akuda, who they traded a fifth-round pick for. Jalen Hawkins showed some flashes last year. So, yeah, I think um, the defense just looks so much better. I'm just looking out on paper. They got some names now, like yeah. Campbell, Grady Jarrett, Arnold Abiketti, Michael Walker, AJ Terrell. Like, they got some guys, and this, this roster just looks like it's pretty complete. Like, And this is the first time we've been able to say that in a while. Like, they – I don't see like any just glaring, glaring holes. You know, I mean, there's obviously positions where they're just not great at, but there's definitely positions that they are and positions where they're, they're just solid at. There's kind of solid all around. So, yeah, um, we can wrap it up with the two seventh rounders. Like I said earlier, DeMarco Hellums. Grab an Alabama guy in the seventh round. Why not? <laughs> Go ahead and get him. He's a safety, so maybe he can um work his way up and crack some uh some plays in the in the secondary along with Clark Phillips and the others and then Javon Gwynn who's another um offensive lineman from South Carolina SEC guy sure those yeah. uh they have back-to-back picks in the seventh round so they went with those two guys uh you know obviously at this point you're just looking at straight lottery tickets really and um you just kind of hope that they can be like a feel-good story of the seventh round pick that works out so I don't have too much on these guys Probably probably saw DeMarco Hellams play at Alabama without really knowing who he is. <laughs> Just kind of watched him fly by. But um yeah. You have do you have any scouting reports on any of these guys? Uh I, I don't really have anything on our our, our last pick with Javon Gim Gwynn. I know, you know, anytime you take an SEC guy, you you definitely want them playing O line, D line. Yeah, I think that was success yeah. there. Um you know, provide depth and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he can sneak his way up, you know, if injury or anything happens like that, you know, at least he's there, you know, and then uh, yeah. for Helms, I know he was, he was very good in 2021. Um, but last year had 108 tackles, um, only, only one interception last year. So, you know, not as much of a ball Hawk, but he's going to, he's a hard nose, hard nose safety going to come up and, and, and make some good tackles provides depth with Jesse Bates uh, back there now. So, you know, I, I don't have any complaints, man. I think, I think, uh, I think, I think this is a pretty good draft for the Falcons. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't, not a like not overly super stoked on the Bijan pick. Still, I'm, I'm liking it more and more. Like I said, but it's still just uh, I've just ever been like I've just I feel like uh, paying what not watch series paying running backs and drafting them that high can be very risky. But we'll see how it works. And I think the first three years are going to be great. And um, I think the Falcons kind of think they're immediate contenders to make the playoffs. Um, I just looked it up. According to FanDuel, the Falcons have the second best odds to win the South. They have the Saints as the favorites. And I I trust Vegas, but I I, don't, I think a lot of this is just not a ton of trust in Desmond Ritter, Ritter yet because he hasn't really shown it, which I get. But if Ritter is good, then I think the Falcons are the best team in the South pretty easily. But yeah. I do understand. I think the Saints have the safest quarterback situation with Derek Carr. They know what they have in him. It might not be great, but like I know the Panthers got Bryce Young. Who knows if he's going to immediately be better than Derek Carr? And the Buccaneers are running out Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. They actually have the worst odds, <laughs> which uh, they things kind of went sour on them quickly. Um, but they won a Super Bowl, so I guess all is well with them. But um, yeah, you got any final thoughts? Because it's kind of going to be a dead period for the Falcons here. Um, now that the draft's over. So it might be a while before we talk about them again. Yeah. I'm super hyped up for the start of the season, man. It, it felt like that draft took forever to get there. Um, but, but yeah, I think Bijan opens up as the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year, just ahead of uh division rival Bryce young. So uh, that's something to know. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to have some fantasy value. Also, I think 
oh, I think yeah. he's gonna, I think he's gonna be super elusive. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited, man. I, I just think Ritter, if Ritter is solid, he doesn't have to be great. He has to take care of the ball, be solid, use your backs, you know, you know, hit some slot guys every once in a while, get get some key first downs. But I really think if he doesn't make mistakes, I think this team is is due to win the uh, division. And I think this rebuild, like. Last year we were a little ahead of schedule, and so I, I think this rebuild has been yeah. fantastic. I think the front office has done awesome. Yeah, I mean we were in it last year till like two games left in the season to make the playoffs. So, and some of that's just the South was so bad last year. But um, mm-hmm. and I don't think they got much better, honestly. Um, but yeah, Bijan's actually the favorite to win Officer Rookie of the Year according to FanDuel, just ahead of Bryce Young. So, head of Bryce Young, head of C.J. Stroud, head of Anthony Richardson. Jack Smith and Jigba, Jameer Gibbs, who was the other running back that went super early. So, um, yeah, it was an exciting draft, and um, I'm excited for the season. I think Bijan is maybe the most exciting pick the Falcons could have made, honestly. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited, man, because I think they they have a real shot. And it kind of just all falls on Ritter's shoulders. Um, and, you know, we'll see how he does. Because if he's – if he can just be a game manager and just find these guys – because he's got talent all around him, I mean – be like these last three draft picks, Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, like they the, they could really just carry the load for him if they can just get open and just make plays for him. He doesn't have to be insane. He just has to be, you know, just kind of a game manager. If he could be Derek yeah. Carr, like that'd whoa, be great. no, 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 I don't want to be I, Derek Carr. Just for now, <laughs> just for now, just like if he could just be Derek Carr and then progress. Derek Carr just stay Derek Carr forever. <laughs> how, how about a Brock Purdy? Brock, Brock Purdy, that's fine. Yeah. If Arthur Smith could be Kyle Shanahan too, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that, man. Just take care of the ball. Ritter, take care of the ball, hit, hit, hit some dinks and dunks. And then, you know, a couple yeah. of deep shots here and there. Just keep that threat of, of, uh, you know, of just keep the defense on their toes, man. Um, and, and take care of the ball. And yeah. I think, I think we'll be good. And they're going to be, I mean, they're going to always, there's always going to be a tent. There's going to be so much attention on each one of these guys, even CP, who when he's healthy, he's explosive, obviously. So they got weapons all around him, and I think he's in a pretty good position to succeed. So I'm excited. Still a pretty long way for this NFL season. Um, you know, it kind of feels close now that the drafts happen. You like talk about football like it's happening, but it's May first, so there's a lot of time left until we can actually get to watch this in person. So we can uh, move on now to the Braves, who had a very odd week due to some weather. But overall, they played pretty well. Um, today, they had a doubleheader against the Mets after two games got ran out over the weekend. And then the final game against Miami, I got uh, had a three-hour delay. And that ended up being probably the worst loss of the season. Uh, we can get to that in a second, though. Um, talk about Monday, though. The Spencer Strider game, pretty much, is what I think you should call this. They went 11 to nothing, And when you went 11 to nothing, and your starting pitcher is the headliner, that kind of shows how good he was. He flirted with a perfect game and a no-hitter. Um, Matt Olson, which I, I was kind of relieved when the no-hitter got broke up for Matt Olson because he did blow the perfect game by just booting like the most routine ground ball ever. <laughs> so that was a kind of a sigh of relief for him. But um, Strider goes eight innings pitched, two hits, which happened back-to-back in the eighth inning, 13 strikeouts, and uh, no earned runs. He was awesome. Um I would say it was best start of his career, but I think last year against the Rockies, he was better when he had 16 strikeouts. So it kind of shows you how good he is. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this outing? Because he was just unreal. Yeah, I mean, mixed mixed Strider going eight, giving up 
two hits, no runs, and then offense having five homers. Yeah, like, like just per- perfect game. Just dominance, yeah, yeah, absolute dominance. Yeah, you, you really can't draw it up any better. Sam Hilliard had two homers in this game. Sean Murphy had a homer, and he's just homers all the time now. I think he has seven homers in his last 50-something at-bats, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Ozzy had a triple, which um, probably shouldn't have been a triple. It's kind of just a drop fly ball. That meant 11 to nothing. Um, yeah, they just dominated the Marlins. And I know um, Gene Segura was catching some heat because when he broke up the no-hitter with his bloop single, he bat-flipped <laughs> and had a big smile on his face. <laughs> and it was just like, of course, it was Gene Segura who – I got to bring this up because when this happened, I looked at Gene Segura's baseball reference and I was like, did this guy do anything? And like, in the, I was about to say like, Gene Segura hasn't done shit with his career. I was, I was, I was, I was hot in the moment. And I was like, well, did he do anything during the Phillies playoff run last year? And let me pull it up real quick. Last year in the playoffs against the Cardinals in the wild card, a 533 OPS in the NLCS against the, Padres a 235 OPS and the World Series a 279 OPS. He was so bad, but in the DS against the Braves, he had a 1.149 OPS. Wow. Literally did oh, nothing man. the entire postseason except against the Braves, where he hit batted 462. So I was about to maybe send a little snarky tweet towards Gene Segura until I saw those stats. And it's just he just owns the Braves, I guess. Didn't do yeah. anything else against anybody, but just own the Braves. Um, anyway, we can get off the Gene Segura hate train for a second. Um, we, uh, we can move on to game two, but yeah, game one, probably just perfect game all around offense and pitching. Like you can't ask for anything more than that. Um, game two, a little more normal game. Um, they won seven to four more in pitch. He pitched pretty well in this one. Um, Ozzy had two homers, um, which is good to see. He's really turned it on after just being rough early on. Um, Marlins did kind of flirt with a comeback late, but the uh, Braves had two in the eighth and another Aussie homer. They did have a big threat up in the ninth inning with Solera about to play, and I think he could have tied the game with a homer, but uh, Jesse Chavez struck him out. <laughs> yeah, so, Jesse Chavez in the ninth, man. Kind of getting scary. Yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. We could, we, the bullpen's been rough. We can talk about the bullpen um, in a second when we talk about this last game, but yeah, what do you think about this one? Because just another good win. Yeah, another good win. Everybody, the you know whole offense was working. Everybody had a hit, but Olson. Um, but yeah, I mean, and he had, had, and he had two walks. So yeah, yeah, everybody was producing. Pilar, uh, all these two homers, Rosario, Grissom, Hilliard, like it was just coming from everywhere. Um, and yeah, like you said, Morton was awesome. Nine Ks, seven and in, seven innings, three hits, one earned run. Uh, you know he's been he's been a good surprise this year. Yeah, he's he's been pretty solid. Um, so yeah, we can move on to game three, which this was a really good win for the Braves. Probably one of the better wins of the year being down four to nothing and, uh, coming back and winning six to four with just a pretty crazy eighth inning. But, um, yeah, elder kindly finally, finally had his first hiccup, which um, I think everybody was waiting for. Um, he wasn't like flat out terrible. He went 5.1 innings pitch four and runs. That's not good, but it's not like he didn't get out of the first inning. He was lined up against Sandy Alcantara, who pitched pretty well. But um, as soon as the Braves got to that Marlins bullpen, um, it was kind of wrapped. Still in Floro had a rough game. But uh, yeah, they were down four to nothing. But then Ronald hits a bomb off of Sandy in the sixth inning to get him on the board. Um, Matt Olson hit a home run in the eighth. Eddie had a triple to, uh, I believe, tie the game. And then, um, or he might have put them up. But then Ozuna had a dribbler back to the pitcher, which the pitcher just threw to the backstop, and that scored a run. <laughs> Kind of um, the most Ozuna has produced produced in a while with that dribbler back to the pitcher, 
Um, but yeah, Braves get a nice six to four win. Um, four runs in the eighth. Just a nice come from behind win. I mean, really watching this game, I was just like, when we're down four to nothing, I was like, get Sandy out of the game, and I think we can come back and win. And that's exactly what happened. I just don't fear this Marlins bullpen at all. And uh, even that ball Ronald off Sandy was just Bomb. obliterated. Yeah, and he had won today <laughs> in the first game against the Mets. That was just ridiculous. A third in the third deck. So, yeah, what do you think about this one? Because this was probably one of the more fun games of the year so far. Yeah, I mean, down for nothing. Uh, get a couple in the six. Get get Alcantara out the game. Um, and then yeah, working with that bullpen. Uh, Marlins do not have good good bullpen at all. Like no. at all. And uh, Braves really took advantage of that. Getting getting Sandy out the game. Uh, great win. Great win. Um, yeah, to go go first two games in this series after after getting swept by the Astros, uh, felt felt pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, we can move on. We can talk about the the bad game now, which was Game Four. Um, like I said, there was a three hour rain delay in this one after the third inning, which really was unfortunate for the Braves because Kyle Wright was yeah. dealing through three innings. He had six strikeouts through three innings and hadn't given up a run, so kind of sucks for him because it looked like he was about to have his best start of the year. But, um, yeah, really, right out of the gate after the rain delay in the fifth thing, the Braves scored four runs at the bottom of the fifth. Uh, they kind of dinked and dunked their way to the four runs. Didn't really mash. I know Vaughn had a single. Um, Chadwick Trump, I believe, had a hit. That uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Chadwick Trump, yeah, he had an RBI hit. Um, so, yeah, they are at 4 nothing. Seemed like they were going to cruise. Uh, they used A.J. Minter in the bottom of the ninth, and A.J. Minter – or not the bottom of the ninth, top of the ninth. AJ Minter in the ninth with a four nothing lead against the Marlins. You think it's over, and he <laughs> just implodes in the worst way. Point two innings pitched, five earned runs, and he was really bad against the Astros. He was even worse here. Um, some of this was on Jesse because Jesse did come in to relieve him and kind of allowed a couple of his base runners to score on a Garrett Cooper double. But I was just like, good God, man, <laughs> like. What happened to AJ Minter? <laughs> yeah, he's broken right now. And it wasn't even yeah. the walks. It wasn't even the walks. He was just getting hit. <laughs> they were just tattooing him. And yeah. Jesse comes in, uh, two outs, and down to the last strike, Garrett Cooper hits a hits a double yeah. in the gap and, and the Marlins go up, man. It, this is just a super deflating loss. Um for the for the Marlins to score five in the top of the ninth, like, come on, man. This is just this is not a game that you lose. You just you never. just don't. Like never. It's the Braves win this game, I think, like 99% of the time. Like, it, it, this is a crazy, crazy outlier. And Mentor, um, he gave up a homer today, too, against the Mets. Said he didn't blow the save, but Eduardo Escobar took him deep, too. So he is just, like you said, he's not walking guys. He's still striking guys out at a pretty good rate. They're just hitting him. And maybe that'll even out sooner or later. I guess it's better that he's doing this than just he's just completely lost and is walking everybody. But, um, yeah. And but no Iglesias yet. It's um, it's tough. It's hurting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you kind of want to give Minter just a break, but he kind of has to be the closer because I know Colin McHugh came back. He was rough today. Um. So yeah, the bullpen just it it kind of just turned quickly on us. It was just such a strength, and now it just feels like when the starter leaves the game, you're kind of holding your breath. And that was that was the case today with the Mets game too. Um, with both Mets games, so. Yeah, we can move on to the Mets series though. We can start that might be the worst loss of the season. I don't know if it's going to get worse than that. It's considering the situation up four against the Marlins, AJ Mentor, and you lose that game. Like, I don't know if they'll collapse like that again this year. So let's hope not, at least, because Jesus, that was that was tough to watch. So 
we can move on to the Mets series. And the Mets series went well. Um, like I said, the Saturday and Sunday games got rained out. They had a doubleheader today. They'll have another doubleheader when they come back to New York in August. But game one, God, looking at this box score is so weird. They went four to nothing in five innings. Um, <laughs> really, they needed to score in the top of the fifth to go up. And after five innings, it's an official game. Ronald Acuna has an RBI single. Then Matt Olson hits a just mammoth home run to make it four to nothing. And Max Free goes one, two, three in the bottom of the fifth. And then as soon as Max Freed ended that inning, Tart came on the field and the game, they didn't play baseball for like 60 hours <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. um, which fine by me. Uh, Max gets credited with a complete game shutout. He leads the league in those now. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of a Mickey Mouse complete game shutout. But uh, this was fine by me. Gave the bullpen a rest after their meltdown or AJ Minter's meltdown um, on Thursday. And uh, not really much to talk about because it was only five innings. But Max Freed. He's just having an absurd season, really. Yeah, um, he's he's got a he's unreal. He's got a point four five ERA. So, what are your thoughts on this one? Because, yeah, Max Freed's just been awesome. Yeah, I mean, to score in the top of the fifth was very clutch. Like to get it to, was to, to get through it five. Two, it was two outs too when Acuna had that single, so it was very clutch. <laughs> yeah, to get through five, and then that monsoon came through for the next couple days. Um, it's kind of hilarious that they just call that a complete game. Like that just reminds me of uh, Madison Bumgarner's no hitter he had against the Braves a couple yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah, th- he, he only threw seven innings um, in a double header, and you know, is it a no hitter? I don't know. But this is a complete game for Max Freed, man. Um, yep. That, and the that drops books. his that drops his ERA, man. He's having an unreal year, and nobody's even talking about it. So. Yeah, he is kind of flown under the radar. Some of that is Strider. Some of that is um, him just coming back from his injury. Like, he's only thrown 20 innings, which isn't a huge sample, but he's only given up one run. <laughs> you can't really ask for anything um, better than that. His ERA plus is 1,002. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> which, cow, man. That's insanity. So, um, you don't really – I never. I don't think I've ever saw one that high. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um but yeah, they shut out game one. Nice win. And like I said, they don't play for the next two games. And then they play today um, in the doubleheader. They win game one, which was a crazy game. Um, Strider did pitch in this one. He wasn't his best, um, but he did He did battle. I will give him credit there. He battled and ended up getting the win, which I didn't think he was going to come out for the fourth inning, honestly. But he comes out and uh, the fourth inning goes to the top of the Mets order. And in the fourth and fifth, he goes six up, six down to the top six in the Mets order after struggling, which that was super impressive. And like, a, it's kind of like, that's what they say about great pitchers on a day where you don't have your best stuff to just battle like he did was really impressive. And the offense was crazy good today in game one. Acuna was awesome. Sean Murphy. Oof. Good God. <laughs> like he is Oof. a monster. Um, so yeah, this was a fun game, kind of stressful of just um, the Braves were letting up as much as they were putting out. Um, what'd you think about it? Because it was uh, fun to watch, but definitely a little nerve wracking. Yeah, definitely nerve wracking after Strider exited. Um, you know, he was he was two or three pitches from not getting out the first inning. Like, oh yeah, yeah, he like it could have been a lot worse for him, but he he made the pitches when he needed to. Yeah, he he definitely battled, but heck, the Mets battled all day long. Like, um, they were just annoying. They just kept, you know, kind of sneaking back in this game, sneaking back. Um, but Sean Murphy, two three-run home runs, like he carried us today um, in that yeah. first game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, once once Minter gave up that that solo shot to Eduardo, you're like, oh, God, here we go again. One-run one yeah. game. Um, but we ended up shutting the door and, and taking game one. 
uh, for the yeah. day. Yeah, and then the last out of the game too, Brett Beatty, who has kind of just become a monster, I guess, because he played really well today. Um, he had a rocket right to Ronald and that ended the game. And I was yeah. like, that that one was like, oh God, I thought that was about to get over his head. And but Mentor survives. And yeah, AJ Mentor's gotta figure something out, man. Because his ERA now is eight five six. Like that's just tough. It's he tough. Does, he needs to get back to that eighth inning. Once Iglesias comes back, he's yeah, gonna get moved back to I that think game. that that'll help him just kind of get some um, pressure off his shoulders and yeah, Iglesias has been making rehab starts. So hopefully he's not starts, but appearances. So hopefully he'll be, he'll be back soon. Um, and we didn't mention Michael Harris is back. Um, didn't really do much in game one. Cause there wasn't really much to do, but in game one today, he had a hit and a walk. Uh, he had a rocket single. I think it was like 114 miles an hour. So um, maybe he'll be, he'll return to his form last year. I know he, but it's really hard to judge the season. He's like had like 20 at bats before he got hurt. So I don't worry about him. I think he's gonna be fine. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about game two, which wasn't as fun, but um every time the Braves play a doubleheader against anybody, like they could play the A's in a doubleheader, I was like, oh, they're probably gonna split it. <laughs> yeah, I just always think of doubleheaders that you're just gonna split them. So I wasn't super upset that they lost this one. Um Charlie Morton pitched. He pitched well, but he came back out for the sixth and just immediately walked a couple guys, and then they bring in Michael Tonkin. And Tonkin gave up a double to Francisco Alvarez and scored both of them. That put the Mets back on back on top. Um, Eddie Rosario had a bases clearing, bases loaded triple, which was a huge hit. And that put the Braves from down up down two nothing to up three two. Then kind of gave it back immediately with the with the tough inning from Morton and Tonkin. Um, but yeah, not too much to talk about in this one. Um, Ronald got hurt in the uh, first inning after getting hit on the shoulder. They said it was a shoulder contusion. He's day-to-day. Um, he might miss tomorrow's game, but I don't think it's anything serious. But he was in some real pain. I guess it just hit him in just the sweet spot and got him good. Um, and that sucked. And like I, that honestly changed the game. Like, Ronald yeah. has played every game this year, and it's stark of just when he doesn't come back around when the lineup flips. Like, it's it kind of put it into perspective just how good he's been because it was Pilar. And Pilar homer today, too, and Pilar's been good. But um, Ronald has just been like unreal. <laughs> so it's like when the lineup kept flipping over and uh, he wasn't there, it was just not as uh, not as much hope uh, as I usually do with uh, when he comes around because he's just been so good. Yeah, I, I would say I would say the same thing. Like he um he definitely brings that energy and it kind of felt dead other than yeah. Rosario's hit. I mean, yeah, Braves, Braves went one of 10 with runners in scoring position. Um, that second game, and I really killed him. Like Rosario was just clutch. Um, but yeah, I mean that the lineup is just—it just felt so dead with Ronald leaving after the first yeah. pat. Like, um, but like you said, it just got him in a weird spot. I, I mean, he looked like he was in some serious pain, like some some issues could have been going on. But uh, yeah, luckily no um nothing, no no fractures or anything on the X-rays. Everything came back uh, negative. So you know that's a good sign. Um. Yeah, hopefully we can get him back in the next couple of days because I know injuries have just riddled this team. It, it just never ends, it seems. Yeah, and um, hopefully he can come back like this to Marlins, at least um, in some capacity. Might miss game one, but maybe come back for game two or three. Uh, but yeah, that's tough. And um, also what made the lineup seem dead is that they didn't play Vaughn and they had to have Trump catch. So it was mm-hmm. eight, nine, and one was Adrianza, Trump, Pilar. <laughs> and that's when that rolls around, just like, God, this ain't going to do much. And Trump had a double. Um, he wasn't terrible, but I don't think Adrianza has a hit yet this year. 
it's just not as good as it usually is. They didn't Harris didn't start this game. He ended up coming him and Vaughn ended up coming in later in the game to try to spark the offense. Um but uh yeah, it's uh that that was tough. And it's a doubleheader, so you kinda have to do that. Like you can't have Murphy catch both games. And uh, Murphy DH this one. He had a couple more hits and a walk. He would continue to be good. Um so yeah, doubleheader, you split it with the Mets. You're a good team. Taking two out of three in New York, never gonna complain about that. Especially yep. with how they played in New York last year, where they just kind of got their brains beaten in. Um, it was kind of refreshing to see them kind of um, take control of the Mets. And uh, yeah, the Mets are kind of banged up too. And the Braves kind of got lucky with these rainouts because Max Scherzer would have been pitching in one of these games today if it wouldn't have gotten rained out um, both times. So uh, they missed Scherzer and Verlander, who are both coming back in their next series against the Tigers. So uh, yeah, kind of caught the Mets at a good time without their two aces. So yeah. Good, good, good stuff for the Braves. Taking two out of three for the Mets. Good week overall. I know yeah. the, that Marlins loss was just terrible, but taking three out of four for the Marlins and two out of three for the Mets, that's fine. Do that every time, and you're going to be a great team. Yeah, you can sit here and nitpick about, uh, you know, not sweeping the Marlins there in Game Four, and then you know, kind of, kind of losing this last one against the Mets. But I mean, overall, positive week. Braves, uh, Braves went positive for the week. Um, two series wins. So I mean. Not really much to complain about. I think uh I think those couple rain rain delays kinda helped the bullpen, kinda helped uh everybody with, with injuries and, and you know, gives us a little bit more time. Um so yeah. Um yeah, good stuff from the Braves. Nineteen and ten on the year. Um yeah, looking looking to beat up on the Marlins again coming up. Yep. They go to Miami for three games and then Baltimore at home for three this weekend. And um I didn't even mention this. This rain delay did like kind of put the rotation out of whack by having to do, do a double header. So on Friday against the Orioles, they don't have a starter, and Mike Soroka is lined up for Friday. Woo! I don't know if they'll do it, but um, yeah, I, I honestly don't think they will. I think they'll probably do like Schuster again or something like that, which isn't as exciting. But it's it's an option for like the first time in forever. Like it's kind of like a spot to kind of use them. Um, so yeah. yeah, we'll see what they do. But if Max Rucka pitches on Friday, that's going to be crazy. Like that's going to be like kind of weird to see. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it would, I think it would be great for Soroka to come back Friday night at home. Like, yeah, it would be awesome. Just, just would be an awesome story, man. I think he deserves it. All the work he's put in. I know he, he got absolutely shelled yesterday. Um, I think he gave up like eight runs in three innings. Yeah. But so they might not other, do it. But <laughs> Other than that, I mean, he's been, he's looked really good in triple A. So yeah, I th- I think I think I think man, you need to give him this. He needs to have this. Um, you know, all, with all he's been through last last few years, um, just just be really really cool. And, and and heck, maybe he sticks. You know, so yeah. And it's he's an option. And I mean, with how bad I think Schuster is the only other guy that lines up for Friday. Schuster, dude, there's no way he could be as bad as Schuster was. No offense. I mean, his Schuster's two starts are as bad as it gets. So um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what they do baltimore is actually really good this year they're like kind of keeping up with like sort of keeping up with the rays they're one of the better teams in the american league so they're not mm-hmm. just the orioles of old where you would say oh throw mike out there it's the orioles um they're good so yeah they're, they're definitely considering it we'll see what they do but yeah that like it would be a perfect scenario really home friday game probably be packed he would just probably get the biggest standing ovation of all time like it would be crazy so i'm kind of rooting for that but um, I wouldn't wouldn't be um, shocked if they didn't do it. And I probably don't think he will start honestly. But I would like to be surprised. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. 
But uh, I think we covered it all, man. You got any final takes you want to get off your chest, or are you good to go? Nah, I think we're good to go, man. Uh, solid, solid week from from from. I think Braves and Falcons. Hawks put up a good fight against the Celtics. Like yeah. end of the day, end of the day, man. Celtics are just a really, really good basketball team. And you know that's the team we circled. We didn't. We don't. We don't want to play them first round, but we ended up getting them. Um, you know. Yeah, uh, I wish wish but, we could have played the Bucks. Because good yeah. lord. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But uh, but yeah, man. Good good stuff from the Braves. Uh, solid draft from the Falcons. They got some needs. Um, still have some questions, but um, yeah, there's still some time. We'll see what they do. I'm just super excited, man. I think uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really really good year for the Falcons. Good year for the Braves. They they keep it rolling and uh, yeah, pretty positive. Yeah, and I just realized that it's gonna be just Braves on here for a while. Um, I'm yeah. sure the Falcons will do something else that we'll talk about before they start playing. And, um, you know, the Hawks got a minute till the offseason starts as they were a first-round exit. So, yeah, these next probably like four, five, six episodes might just be Braves unless something crazy happens. So, yeah, look forward to that. It's officially Braves season, full blast, you know, crank it up to 13, just Braves. Time Let's to lock go. in. So, yeah, and it's not a bad team to lock in on as they're pretty good. So, yeah, I think we covered it all. Um, if you made it this far listening, we appreciate you tapping in. We'll be back next week with another episode. So we will see you in the next one.